0: AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, Brett Johnson with you here on a Tuesday afternoon. And as usual on Tuesdays, we're joined by Patrick Kulikan, who is the editor-in-chief of the Minnesota Reformer. As Today, we'll be following along some of the latest news at the state legislature, including the possible legalization of cannabis, at least in the State House of Representatives. We'll also be talking about some controversy with Nathan Wessenberg and the fact that he kicked a few teacher constituents out of his office and then we'll talk about the drug affordability board that was set to be created but could possibly have been weakened due to some actions being that were taken in the state senate so we're going to be talking about all three of those topics today patrick thanks so much for coming on the show today
1: Thank you for being. Uh, good to be here.
0: Absolutely. So let's start off with uh, marijuana possibly being legalized recreationally here in Minnesota. So uh, right now, I know the House is still working on uh, trying to get this bill passed as we're recording right now. We are, th- this interview is being recorded a couple hours ahead of time before this is being played back. So it may have been passed by now. But Patrick, if this bill does end up passing the House, what happens next in the Senate? Is there a- still a good chance it could pass there? Or what hurdle still? remain
1: yeah so there's a, a floor debate scheduled for later this week um, for the Senate uh, and then they would have to uh, the bill would go into conference committee which is a uh, brings together House and Senate members where they will iron out differences in the two bills and then uh, once they do that uh, they gotta uh, vote on them again this time without amendments and then it would go to Governor Tim walls who's expected to sign it so uh, You know, nothing, um, is, uh, final until the governor's signature is on it. And there's just all kinds of ways that things can go sideways, uh, at the, during the legislative session. But, uh, this session, uh, the, the DFL majorities, however slim, have been, uh, doing a pretty good job of getting things through, uh, past the finish line. And, uh, I at least expect that to happen in this case. Um, and, uh, I think marijuana will be legal, uh, fully legal. Um, later this year
0: do we know at least on the senate side if there are any possible republicans who are supporting i at least know on the house side there are maybe two or three republicans who are going to vote along dflers for that bill so if that's the case in the senate that certainly would give the dfl a little bit more margin for error being that they of course only have a one seat 34 33 uh, senate majority so if they were to lose one DFLer, they would have obviously need another republican to take their place
1: yeah, I'm not aware um, of what the uh, whip count is over there, um, but it's almost certain that they wouldn't be bringing the bill to the floor uh, without the votes. So they've either got all 34 lined up um, or they've got uh, some Republican votes um, or maybe some combination of the two. They're, they're certainly a libertarian um Leaning Republicans who might be uh, persuaded to come along on this, um, as, as there has been um, apparently in the House, certainly Nolan West is one of them uh, from from Blaine. So uh, I don't know the answer to that, but I'm pretty sure that uh, they must have the votes to bring it to the floor.
0: Well, we'll have to follow along with that. I believe, yeah, you're correct about Nathan West. He had some uh, concerns about some amendments, but I believe he said he was ultimately going to vote for that bill. Uh, do want to talk about some other news at the state legislature, and this has to do with what Dina Winter was working on, as right now the legislature is also debating a bill that would create a Prescription Drug Affordability Board to set limits on drugs with prices that are deemed unreasonable. This is especially true for drugs that treat rare diseases. They're called orphan drugs, and uh, that's where we sometimes see some of these outrageous drug prices. But there was an amendment added to this bill that would create the Prescription Drug Affordability Board that's backed by Big Pharma and passed the Senate thirty four thirty three with critics saying that it largely guts the new board. So, let's dive into this a little bit more, Patrick. What exactly is the Prescription Drug Affil- Affordability Board, and how does it work, and what exactly would it do on What's being proposed right now?
1: Well, this uh, has um, been created in a few other uh, states, a handful of other states, and um, they would essentially cap uh, the price of certain drugs um, and um, has a a lot of support uh, amongst um, providers who are, and of course, patients. We're paying exorbitant amounts for some of these drugs. Um, and, uh, the Senate took a step to, uh, really gut this thing, uh, last week. And, uh, so it was a good find there by, um, by Dina, um, where, and wherein the, uh, the pharmaceutical industry really still has tremendous influence despite, despite the DFL control of the legislature.
0: So what exactly was this amendment that was added to the bill that kind of guts this overall Drug Affordability Board? Because as I understand it, there was actually a DFLer that kind of put this amendment over the line in terms of getting it passed.
1: Yeah, the amendment excludes... Um, the, the, the board would no longer be able to review uh, the rare disease treatments and uh, drugs that have been on the market for less than seven years. I mean, the problem is that those are the two types of situations in which we're seeing the most exorbitant prices for drugs. Um, the industry says that, uh, they need these, uh, these prices in order to fund help fund research. Uh, and that, uh, because of the, the large, uh prices that they can, the huge prices they can pay, uh, they can charge, they're able to introduce more of these life-saving drugs. Um, so you can take that for what it's worth. The, the, the deciding vote um, was, was as you mentioned, a Democrat by the name of John Hoffman, who's uh, t- generally been the kind of uh, most uh, centrist, um, fly-in-the-ointment Democrat uh, so far this session already. And, and I think that's generally how people viewed him going in. Um, uh, he's, uh, but this is the, the issue with having a one vote majority. It only takes one. And, uh, they got Hoffman on this, uh, really key policy. It's not over yet because, uh, the, the intact, uh, policy, uh, has passed, uh, the house or it's going to, and then there'll be a chance to, uh, clean up this in, in, uh, in conference. But, uh, now, um, Hoffman obviously has uh, quite a bit of leverage. If they're going to uh, get this uh, drug affordability board passed, um, they're going to have to give them something in return.
0: Well, I'm glad Dina was able to find this because, as you said, uh, th- we well, 've kind of been talking about uh, certainly the, a lot of the focus on the legislature has been on for instance, uh, legalizing marijuana and protecting the right to the abortion, but uh, there hasn 't been a lot of talk about health care costs i 'm glad she's uh was able to find this because uh, it does kind of show that big Pharma still does have a a major influence over both well Republicans and Democrats, and it sounds like they 've been pressuring a number of swing district legislatures to legislators to vote against this bill so let 's talk a little bit about what. Big Pharma has been doing to lobby against uh, some of these members of the legislature because it is, there certainly is still a lot of power that they have in the legislature, even though that we do have unified DFL control.
1: Right. Um, They smartly hired a lobbyist by the name of Sarah Erickson of a a firm called uh, United Strategies. That's a DFL-leaning consulting firm, uh, which helped Governor Walz's re-election campaign and one of the founders of the firm is, is, the, is uh, the, uh, the governor's deputy chief of staff. So, um, that firm um, is lobbying for uh, a big trade group that represents biotech companies. And, and they're of course, uh, were, are against the drug Affor- affordability board and in favor of this amendment. So, um, we all have a mortgage to pay, I guess, uh, Brett, and, <laughs> uh, some people are larger than others. Um, and, uh, so uh, again, closely divided Senate, it only takes one vote, and uh, this effort to control the price, the runaway prices of pharmaceuticals, um,
0: looks like it's uh, in a little bit of trouble right now. So you alluded to this a little bit, but what does happen next? Does this go back over to the House? What does Governor Tim Walz think about this? And and I guess I should have asked this earlier, what exactly were some of Hoffman's objections? Is there a chance that uh, some of these could be ironed out in committee when once this does go through the House? I'm curious what happens next because this does seem to be a little bit of a curveball that was thrown in the plans of trying to create this board. Yeah, I think at this point it depends on how much political capital
1: Democrats are willing to expend. Uh, to get this done. I mean, how committed to it are they? They certainly have a lot of priorities this session, um, but you would think this would be um, a big one. Uh, the, 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 the rising cost of, of drugs, um, life-saving drugs, is, is an issue for uh, so many Minnesotans, um, but at this point, um, given Hoffman's objections, um, they're gonna have to uh, expend some political capital and give him something that he wants, Uh, to bring him back over. Uh, So it's going to be just a matter of priorities. Uh, Nothing is dead until uh, that gavel comes down. Um, But clearly um, he's, he's uh, he's got some leverage here and they're going to have to decide,
0: uh, you know, how committed they are to this. Otherwise it's uh, it's, uh, Next year, uh, like like Twins fans would say, <laughs> like just about every Minnesota sports fan. Yeah, wait till next year. Well, make sure you follow along with what Dina wrote on that over at minnesotareformer.com, dot Minnesota com. dot com. Final thing I want to talk to you about, uh, and this has to do with the controversy with Nate. Wessenberg, the state senator Republican. Uh, We talked a little bit about him last week on the show, but just a refresher. So what happened was that three teachers from the Malacca School District went to meet with State Senator Nathan Wessenberg about special education funding and some concerns teachers had about special education funding. But when Wessenberg learned that the teachers were part of the Minnesota State Teachers Union, well, things began to go poorly. As the teachers say, the meeting ended abruptly when Senator Wessenberg kicked them out of his office and accused them of teaching kids to be gay and to hate white people, among other things. So I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on this, because it's just unbelievable the details of what happened, because they were even confirmed by Wessenberg himself in his own newsletter, so there's not even any controversy necessarily into what happened. He fully admits uh, this, this whole controversy happened with these teachers, but this is a pretty unbelievable situation that occurred last week at the Capitol.
1: Yeah, good scoop uh, by uh, Michelle Griffith, who's um, a regular reporter over at the Capitol. These teachers come to, and they come from a small school district. Uh, there's 1,600 students in the school district. Um, it's, uh, you know, in a very small city. Um, you know, I mean, we have high schools that are as big as a school district. And um, so they stop into the senator's office, and this is a very routine kind of thing, Um and they want to talk about what's known around the capital as the education cross-subsidy. This is where um, it's it's uh, kind of capital-speak for the fact that school districts have to spend a lot of money on uh, special education mandates, and the, the state doesn't uh, give them enough for it. And they, these teachers are saying, oh, can the state help us out with this? And he, uh, he wants to know if they're with the union, and then, of course, they are. And... And then he um, has uh, some kind of a crazy temper tantrum and starts talking about how they're, uh, you know, teaching all this uh, pornography, sex education. And I mean, he's using really kind of vile language and uh, throws him out of his office. Um, And apparently was like really up in this guy's uh, this teacher's face, Um, you know, and so. Not a not totally unusual. I think that's I think we'd say that's an unusual thing to happen. But you know, there there are conflicts and confrontations at the Capitol. People you know sometimes uh, lose their cool. They use ugly language, what have you. What's unusual about this is is that he goes out and he, he almost like brags about you know what he's done in in his own newsletter to his constituents, including using the same euphemism for oral sex uh, in an email to constituents. He, he essentially just confirmed a lot of the story. Um, you know, there are some details that are different, uh, and 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 you know, if, if you read deep into the story, you'll see there, there may have even been kind of a miscommunication going on. But um, really, an unbelievable um, episode, and and I think a, a quite uh, telling and um, uh, kind of embodying this unfortunate political era where uh everything is is just uh uh has to become an ugly confrontation um and um you know just not behavior that i i think we associate
0: with uh uh, public service so i'm curious what happened when these teachers had a chance to meet with other republican members of the state legislature did things go differently
1: well yeah um you know uh, the Senate minority leader mark johnson um apparently he talked to the teachers he said he would talk to Wiesenberg about his conduct um and um and also telling that isaac Schultz, who's the one of who's the uh the house representative's member from that district um he um he he apparently talked to them for 40 minutes he uh you know he told he told them well, I'm not going to vote for the the house education budget bill um but he listened to them and he asked questions and um they said he was very cordial and you know I think that's how we expect people to behave um not running not um you know going into some tirade about how these teachers from a tiny school district are teaching kids to hate white people and 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 uh and the pornography and um and and throwing
0: them out of your office it's just entirely uh unacceptable behavior well you can read more about that and the other stories we talked about today over at minnesotareformer.com again that's minnesotareformer.com for the latest in minnesota news and politics we have been speaking with patrick hulican who is the editor-in-chief of the minnesota reformer patrick as always thanks for coming on the show today appreciate it always a pleasure And let's take a break and send things back over to Matt McNeil on AM 950.